I told her if she would do it, I would do it. And I thought, well, she's never going to do pressure. it. She's never Peer done pressure. more. She hadn't done more than a sprint. Oh, really? Okay. And so uh, she called me back two weeks later and said, I signed up for Ironman Arizona. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of <laughs> Coaches on Couches. Being slouches. We've got Murray Scott on the couch today. Non-slouch. We've non-slouch. got a non-slouch, as everyone will learn. I am Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching. We specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. Every BBC coach is trained in our five pillars coaching system that's been developed over the last decade through our work with athletes of all ages and ability levels from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors. This couch? Not this couch. Not this couch. You can find out more about BBC by going to buildpeakcompete.com. Check it out on Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete or Instagram at BPC Performance. Bam. One more little note. Uh, we got some uh, free race entries to give away, thanks to our friends at PR Event Management. Pretty basically one for every uh, triathlon that they uh, put on this year. So uh, stay tuned for how to enter that. Yeah, the most immediate being Memphis and May. Memphis and May, yep. Sprint which, and Olympic. We've got an entry for both. So if one you're of the interested, few. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's got to be one of the few paying out to uh, amateurs a, a decent chunk of change. I honestly don't know. I mean, there might be... Um, Murray, you can help us on this, too. I, I don't mean, know of any. Yeah. They're, like if you, yeah. So if you're not familiar with it, if you do the amateur challenge at Memphis and May, you do the sprint and the Olympic, and the top 15 male and female get paid 15 deep. And, uh, yeah, I don't know another uh, triathlon in the country that pays amateurs. Yeah, so if you're listening to this before May, what is it, 18th, 19th, I 18th think? 18th and 19th, yep. Put it uh, on your calendars. Yeah, put it on the calendar. Come on out. And weather's guaranteed to be awesome. Cool. It's going to be like San Diego in the winter. It's yeah, similar to San Diego. It's like Diego. 70 degrees, no yeah. humidity. I think it's guaranteed. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right, before we get to Murray, shout outs. Shout outs. I'll kick it off. Funston, uh, I'll let you get the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My first shout out goes to Yomuf Kajuchka. Uh, Kajelcha? Kajeka? Sorry, I totally butchered that. But indoor mile world record in a blazing fast time of three forty-seven oh one. Yeah, I looked at it. It was. Uh, it's over. It's one point four four seconds faster than the previous world record. That's crazy. So that's not really a, a small amount. That's a pretty big. Where you can knock that out, right? No problem. I, every <laughs> mile I run, I run at least three forty-seven. <laughs> yeah, <least> repeats. <laughs> uh. All right, my uh, I've got a few since we're talking about triathlon mostly today. I've got a few here. Uh, one is Justin Lippert and Missy Lestrange. Uh, Justin obviously uh, killed us all last year, and he claimed three different uh, national titles in sprint, Olympic, and uh, long course. And uh, he also did it all in a speedo and a mustache. Arrow, extremely arrow. The mustache isn't and. Uh, 
Justin actually, uh, so he's him and Missy are both were both announced as USA Triathlon uh, or Triathletes of the Year, and uh, Justin actually uh, founded the Full Send Triathlon Club uh, this last year, which I really appreciate because he's trying to continue to bring in younger athletes into the sport, mostly college age, uh, and these are the age groups that we need coming in uh, to keep the growth of the sport alive. So. Uh, he prefers to uh, full send it. I uh, I'm, a, I'm more of a three quarter, mm-hmm. three quarter. Yeah, I'm happy if we get three quarter send. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy on that. It's tough to do the full send. Uh, <laughs> Missy, she also uh, crushed some people over the over the season and claimed uh, more than more than one title in her age group, uh, age group sprint Olympic, and then she went on to seventy point three worlds and Kona. And won her age group in all of those races as well. So they sound like deserving recipients. Covered the uh, covered the spread there. Uh huh. Um, my next are uh, USAT duathletes of the year: Todd Buckingham and Amy Philippe uh, Taylor. Um, we spent a little. I got to got to hang out with Todd a little bit at nationals last year. Uh, he's on the EMJ team with our our buddy Jeff Fafer, yep. and um, he also won. The overall uh, at ITU standard worlds this year, so not just his age group, but the whole dang thing. Um, and this is not a little known fact. If you've ever talked to him more than like three minutes, the dude uh-huh. loves cinnamon rolls. <laughs> yeah, he loves cinnamon rolls. Is he, Lita, is, is he like Phil Gaiman with the cookies? He's Absolutely. A, he's like a cinnamon his, roll. His Instagram feed is either triathlon or cinnamon rolls. Really? Yep. I am a fan of cinnamon rolls. Yep. Huh. Murray, any uh, any shout-outs here? I'll shout-out to the crew that I ran intervals with this morning. Had the Dixon family, Sarah, Ben, and John, Phil Scott, no relation, um, Jimmy Arnold, Kathy Jenkins, and my taskmaster wife, Susie, that puts (laughs) me through it every day. We had a good group running intervals this morning. That's quite the good Which one. is a huge value. I mean, we've talked about it before. We mentioned yeah. having a training group that helps keep you motivated uh, on days where you maybe wouldn't be otherwise uh, is great. So having that that support system yeah. and, and people that will help push you, I mean, that's awesome. Any other shout-outs? I think that'll do. We'll shout-out some others in a minute. We'll throw, throw it in there. Mm-hmm. We'll shame some. Okay. There we go. You want to talk about Wolfman? Yeah. Uh, coming up... Uh, Terrapin Racing will be putting on the Wolfman Duathlon. It's the 31st year at uh, Shelby Farms. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a uh, three-mile trail run followed by a six-mile bike, mountain bike on the Tour de Wolf Trail and another one-mile run. So it's a great race if, um, if you enjoy trail running, if you enjoy off-road. Uh, and it's kind of a tradition for everybody to kick the year off. Yep. Dale has done it a number of times and had some pretty good races out there. And uh, enjoy it. And we uh, we enjoy putting it on, and it's good good for the park. And I uh, hope we can get a lot of people out there. My uh, my my favorite uh, Wolfman story is not the the success I've had, but the time I got second place. Uh, Jeff Pfeiffer, I was just talking about, and I came into transition together, and I was a little quicker than him out of transition. And he and he, I would say, 
he panicked uh-huh. and ran the last mile with his helmet on because, <laughs> because, <laughs> he forgot to take because it I off? got out and he- ahead of him uh, uh, and he beat me. So He beat you with the helmet on? Yeah, he did. <laughs> so Must have been an arrow helmet. Good on you, Jeff. There we go. At least it wasn't a wetsuit. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so, so Murray uh, has been racing for quite a while, has seen a lot, and uh, we wanted to talk to him today um, about himself his past present and future in triathlon and get an idea of of how he's uh kept the love for for this long so murray kind of give us an idea of how when you started triathlon why you got into it in the first place and then uh kind of give us an idea of how much you've raced over the years well i uh had a friend named tom jortner who passed away about 10 years ago but tom and I had been bike riding together for a number of years. And um, I had seen the Memphis and May race. It used to cross Germantown Parkway uh, when it was a point-to-point race from Lakeland to Plow Park. And uh, I lived backing up to Germantown Parkway. Well, at the time, it was Germantown Road. It was two-lane. Nobody ever was on it. And I saw all these people stand at the corner. I saw the bikes coming by for the race. And I said, that looks like it'd be fun to do. And my friend uh, Tom had decided he would like to do it. Some people he worked with out at Plow uh, did the race. And so we said, hey, we're going to do it. We went, started going to Memphis State to the uh, master swim, got to where we could dog paddle, link to the pool back and forth. (laughs) That's good enough, right? And uh, we were already pretty good on the bike and we then decided well we'll do a 5k so we did youth villages 5k and uh we were ready <laughs> we were ready for ready it. ready or not right yeah. <laughs> and went out and uh the swim the swim was the swim i think it took me i've always been a pretty good swimmer but i was still back stroking and breast stroking <laughs> you know my way through part of it but got out in decent decent uh time for the bike, considering I'd never been in a bike race before, I think I was uh, 19 and a half miles an hour, and it's got some hills out there. And I got in the run, and uh, I was doing pretty well. It was a girl I was running with, and it was kind of back and forth. Kept thinking, you know, I'm going to get her. I'd pass uh-huh. her, and then uh-huh. then I was gassed, and she passed <laughs> me. Got to the finish line, and the finish, if you're familiar with the current road race series, five k or 10K, at Plow Park, okay. yeah. at about mile six, you come up a hill right at that uh, playground. Yep. Yep. And that's where the finish line was for the triathlon. I came up there, and she nips me at the very end. <laughs> then I noticed they're interviewing her for TV. I'm thinking, well, what's the deal? And the conversation over there was something, well, how was your race? Well, pretty good. I hadn't been able to train. You know, I just had my baby four weeks ago. And so, so that's when I decided I'm, if I'm going to do this, I might want to train a little more. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like everybody else, you get back then you didn't get the results online. They were printed out. Took a couple of weeks for them to come to you. And by then you'd forgotten how bad uh-huh. some of the things were in the race. So look at it. it huh? Well, then, <laughs> then you, you look at them and you say, you know, I could have really done a little bit better here or there. Uh-huh. If I'd done that, I would have beaten so-and-so. And then so the next thing I knew, I'm signed up for the Mighty Mike. There you go. So, so what year was this? That was 1987. Okay. And uh, it's probably the fifth 
Memphis in May. Okay. You know, yeah. originally Memphis in May. Three, I believe. Yeah, it was originally held out at Shelby Forest. Yep. And uh, then they moved it to Lakeland, and uh, then when things grew up so much around Germantown Parkway and all that, they moved it out to Millington. So how how big was Memphis in May back then? They had a, a limit. I mean, you had to sign up early to get in. I believe five hundred and fifty people. Okay. They were professionals. Yeah. Uh, it was a you know, they paid money to professionals, so they were here. Um, it, it was one of the bigger triathlons around. In fact, in I believe it was nineteen ninety, it was an Ironman qualifier. Mm-hmm. So quite a few people from Memphis that year qualified. I didn't, but uh, a lot of my friends did and got to go to Kona that year by winning at uh, Memphis in May. Yeah. Yeah, that's always been a, a point of uh, the history of Memphis in May that I thought was really interesting that, that uh, yeah, at one point they were allowing qualifications in through Olympic, uh, Olympic distance races. And, and there's a lot of people that uh, we, we all know. Steve Stone that does timing for best times mm-hmm. owns it. Uh, he got to go to Kona that year. Steve was a great triathlete back in that time period. Uh, Lucia Colbert yeah. yep. did. Uh, Judy Vandergrift doesn't race anymore, but still around. Uh, but there were quite a few local people that did it that year, and and all did pretty well. Yeah. So first one, and you were obviously hooked a few weeks. Uh, you know, a few weeks after you see the results and you sign up for Mighty Mike. Well, a week, the first year? well, no, a week later, I decided, hey, I've done a, a triathlon. I'm going to go and do a century ride. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not a wise decision. <laughs> I was great for about 60 miles, and then, uh-huh. uh, you know, it was the death march back in to get oh, yeah. back. And uh, I thought, gosh, that I, I really do need to train. But, yeah, I went ahead and did uh, Mighty Might that year. And uh, at that race, one of the guys that ran with me this morning, uh-huh. Bill Scott, uh, that's where I met him, and we've been friends ever since. And it was uh, one of those Kennedy-Lincoln moments. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, back then, they mailed out your entry packet, and we were standing side by side and went up to say, hey, we never got our packet. What's your name? Scott. Scott. Why hadn't you gotten it? <laughs> I moved. I moved. <laughs> and then we find out, where'd you grow up? We grew up within uh, about five or six blocks from each other in East Memphis. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So on and on. So we've, uh, we've been friends for a long time. A lot of the people that uh, I'm still friends with from that early group of people that mm-hmm. raised. So, so over the years, I would just give an estimation on how many triathlons you've done over the year. Uh, probably 230-ish. So what's, that, what's the average there for you? <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure because I went six years without racing in that time period. Okay. I kind of got to the point. I thought, well, I can't run like I used to. And, you know, gee, it's just not my thing. And um, then I, I got in with another group of people that asked uh, Leslie Brainerd, actually, when she had moved to Memphis, taught me into uh, swimming and biking with them. And then Pam Ruth was making me volunteer at her races. And I figured, well, yes, still is. And said, uh, well, if I'm going to be doing all the training and I'm going to be there, I might as well race. So I started racing again. And then I got to where I was doing six or eight and then 10 or 12, 15 races a year. Yeah. And just got to where I really enjoyed it again. I know that uh, 
every, pretty much any race that I, that I go to in um, in the region here, uh, whenever whenever people start congregating toward the swim start, I'm always looking for you and uh, Keith Woods and uh, a couple other a couple other people that I just know are going to be at like every every race in the area, no matter what. Keith and I go way back. Uh, we've had uh, competition between each other going back for quite a while. He was starting about the time that I was stopping the first time. And uh, then when I came back, we were really competitive with each other. Keith's a really good guy. And, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of fun with competing each other and, and ragging yeah. on each other. Uh, so I know we've talked, we kind of have jumped into this a little bit about how, you know, you can get so in, enthralled into your training and then all of a sudden whatever happens, life happens or something like that. And, uh, now you just can't either train enough or you're just not, you're not able to get to the level that you were at. And then it kind of, you know, it's kind of, uh, disheartening and, and yeah, it can get you out of the sport. But then, you know, you talked about how kind of, uh, it, all it took really was the right group of people to kind of convince you to get back in would you say like would you say like for your um longevity in the sport like the group the community has been like a huge part of that yeah because again most of the people i social with socialize with even away from racing are people i race with Mm -hmm. yeah and uh it makes it a big part of it and i think when you get to a certain point in life and you, you're on that downhill side, you can only improve so long. And uh, your times aren't quite what they used to be. Mentally, it's different. But the people that I've seen that have stuck it out all along, they just kind of deal with it and say, well, you know, I'm compared to everybody else. I'm doing pretty yep. darn well. Yep. And it's more than just the time. It's mm-hmm. social, again, socializing yeah. with people and, uh, staying fit. You know, I look at a lot of people that I went to high school with, the ones that are still alive. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, they look at me like I'm some kind of freak for some of the things I do. And, you know, think about the things we do. They're not normal. You know, normal yeah, people exactly. don't go out on a 100-mile bike ride and say, ah, you know, what I did this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so easy for us as athletes mm-hmm. to, you know, everything's relative, right? Yeah. Um, and you get in the sport and you you uh, are competitive and you're comparing yourselves to other people in the sport. But when you actually kind of step back away from that and think about, you know, when I first started cycling, I thought riding 50 miles was totally ridiculous and, and like an impossible thing. Um, so I, I think it is a good thing for people to, to step back a little bit and kind of see everything you have done and and just, you know, take take some positives out of the fact that, yeah, you're, you're staying active, you're staying fit, you're involved in this very healthy community, um, and you're a lot better off than you would be otherwise, mm-hmm. even if you're not as fast as, you know, you once were, or you don't hit the time you were hoping for. Yeah. Comparing with your younger self, mm-hmm. it's kind of a losing game. You know, you really need sure. to be comparing yourself with other people and, and even not even comparing. Just, hey, did I go out? Did I give everything I had? Yep. Um, exactly. Because there are people that I race with that I've known a long time. If we both do our very best, they're going to kill me. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And uh-huh. I know who they are. You know, if I go out and have a great race and they have a terrible race, well, maybe, 
can do it. But that's not really the important thing. The important thing is going out and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And at the end saying, you know, I went out there, I gave everything that I really had. I did the best that I could do. And I'm proud of that. Yep, definitely. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said about um, just being happy with like that's why they have age groups right like Mm -hmm. like, there's an inevitable part in life where you start to get older and you just cannot physically uh improve the way you used to or recover i mean i guess a better way to put it if you're looking physiology wise uh you just can't recover from the same stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah at some point you have to kind of realign your expectations and your goals and we have we have several people who we coach who were like super competitive, super like laser focused, uh, you know, in their twenties and thirties, and now they're in their forties and fifties. Families, running businesses, uh, you know, and they just don't have they don't have the time to get even if they could, they don't have the time to do the training to get back to where they were in their twenties and thirties you know, even if it was possible. So we spent a lot of time re recentering their expectations and their, and their goals to align with where they're at in their life right now. Um, and that's, you know, that's huge for a lot of people because otherwise you get discouraged and you're like, I can't do, I can't do anymore because you're so hell bent on the numbers and hitting times that where you, you once to. were. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, in my career I traveled a lot and I would always try to schedule things around where I was staying in a place that I could run excellent that had a good workout fitness room in case I couldn't get outside and do something but still you don't have that time and on the road you eat terribly you know Mm -hmm. you're going to wherever everybody wants to eat have a big meal and but when you get those 20 and 30 minute time periods that you can work out it's getting the most out of it absolutely instead of just going out and banging out 10 or 12 miles it's going out there and really getting that intensity level up getting the heart rate up and then recovering you know recovery is it's the hardest thing i have now yeah from so what uh, do you find you know now versus where you were at previously so maybe in your peak uh, you know, how, how much have you had to scale back or how much more do you have to uh, think about the recovery? How has the training changed, would you say? I think I've changed in just over the last few years to where I have some social rides and things. In the past, I'd go out and want to hammer every ride. Every every ride. And, you know, do an interval workout and then, you know, yep. just I'm dead. Uh-huh. And uh, the next day I'm supposed to do these workouts and I'm just too tired to do it. They're emotionally worn out yeah you know the mental side of it is as bad as the uh as the physical side but now i i go in a couple of times a week i go on a bike with a bike group and it's more for me a social Mm -hmm. ride uh low intensity i do the same thing with the run once a week it's a long run but it's not what from an overall training stress standpoint it's not something that's that's demolishing you exactly and that allows me to recover and then i'm still able to get a handful of really good workouts in during Mm -hmm. the week but i'm it it gives me time to recover so so like run bike swim how many uh how many workouts of each of those are you doing each week uh i normally swim about four times a week okay 
and uh, one of them will be fairly long and two will be really high intensity and one of them is just go out and swim a mile. Okay. Uh, then bike, I'll usually get in about four and then I'll run three or four times a week. Okay. Running's always been my most difficult thing. I don't have the body really for traveling. Because you're, you're tall. How, how tall are you? I'm 6'6". Six, six. Okay. <laughs> and I weigh like right now I'm like 215. So, okay. You know, that's a lot of yeah. Wait to push leaves, over yeah. a hill and just yeah. move. So. so, has that changed a lot from where you know you were in your forties, say, or? Uh, not really, not really. Same same frequency. You've just had to kind of scale back intensity some, or? Uh, probably a little the length of the workouts. Okay. I'll shorten them a little bit. Okay. Uh, intensity, I'll try to keep keep high. Okay. But I used to not take those. Kind of social, social day. days, yeah. Like ten years ago, I was going out and we were just doing that workout, and we were focused completely in on it. Uh-huh. And, uh, if I do that now, I'm just so tired. Yeah. I don't get a lot of benefit out of the workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hammer, 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 and then never recover. Yeah. Usually, there's the downward spiral has already begun, and uh, you're just not going to get quality out of anything after that. Um, so as a, as a taller, you know, and naturally heavier, just because of your size, you know, injuries over the course of the year, has that been something that has plagued you or not? Or have you, have you stayed relatively healthy? I've been pretty healthy, which is amazing, really. Especially in this sport. Yeah. My knees are a little bit now. I can feel them. Mm -hmm. Like I I used to not uh, feel them that way. But, uh, for the most part, I mean, everybody's had things like plantar fasciitis and things like that, but, uh, really, that's probably one of the reasons that I'm still able to race and train like I do compared to some of the people that I used to mm-hmm. do a lot of working out with. And were you kind of going through things? Uh, you know, we talked about the, the events you've mentioned already, short course stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, are you someone who's dove a lot more into the long course? Have you stayed short course? Have you done a mix? What's your preference? Well, I'm better in the short courses. Mm-hmm. I'm just able to exert a lot of power and intensity for a short period of time. But over the last 10 years, I've done 12 full Ironman. Oh, wow. And um, I had this friend uh, in uh, Huntington Beach, California. And she said, you know, Murray, you've done all these triathlons, but you've never done an Ironman. Why don't you do one? (laughs) And uh, I told her if she would do it, I would do it. And I thought, well, she's never going to do it. She's never done more. She hadn't done more than a sprint. Oh, really? Okay. And so uh, she called me back two weeks later and said, I signed up for Ironman Arizona. So <laughs> You're like, did I put gotcha. that in writing? Did I put that one yeah. in gotcha. writing? <laughs> so my friend, Phil Scott, no uh, relation, yeah. and I, we did uh, the Great Floridian that year okay. in 2009. So I've done, I've done one almost every year since then. Okay. Yeah, I think oh, I've, nice. done, I've done 12 total. Favorite? Now. I got to do Kona, and I got in the lottery. Oh, excellent. And... Um, Kona is just completely off the charts mm-hmm. from um, from the event. Just the I didn't do that well, right? Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't have a great race, but uh, it's incredible. Just that the yeah that that racing environment alone. Uh, well, the the race environment is great, but the climate, uh, even though we have uh, somewhat similar. Uh, climates it's still uh it's still hard to prepare for that kind of yeah it's like a microwave yeah intense radiating heat Mm. it's it's insane um so like with that like 
what are some of the like key like races that you've done over the years that are either been your your favorite as far as courses or like ones that are just been kind of sticking your brain as the most memorable ones for you uh have you guys ever done heart of dixie i have not no Mm-mm. it is the most bizarre race <laughs> that you will ever do <laughs> and uh, it's my favorite okay. it's uh, Biz- bizarre in what in what manner everything about it is funky uh-huh it starts in uh this little resort <laughs> for those uh, listening and uh, not watching there, there were some air quotes we <laughs> yeah. had the air quotes going uh and it, it starts in lewisville mississippi and it uh, goes about 27 miles down the road it's point to point it finishes in the neshoba county fairgrounds <laughs> and the last i guess it's close to a mile is in the fairgrounds and on the horse track so you're running <laughs> through the fairgrounds there are these houses down there. Uh-huh. They're like shotgun houses. Some of them are three stories tall. They're painted all different colors. There are people wandering around. The first time I did the race, I was in a Speedo, and I'm running into this, this fairgrounds, and there are these two guys sitting in the back of a pickup truck at 8 in the morning drinking beer <laughs> in overalls with no shirt on, oh, yeah, and they started better. yelling, that ain't right, boy. That ain't right. <laughs> so ever since then, that's been my favorite race. <laughs> yeah, that's they thought you were the odd one, right? Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> two cultures oh, whole, colliding. Two cultures incredible. Colliding. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, what about like uh, course-wise? Is that still still your favorite? <laughs> uh, course-wise, I did uh, Vine Man okay. in California, and uh, that. It's part of that area that's been flooded recently on the Russian River. You swim in this yeah. little river, and you go through the redwood trees, and then oh, nice. part of the run was through vineyards. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So you, you got a lot of sightseeing in it, but it's still a tough course, and it's really yeah. really beautiful out there. Yeah. So would you uh, are, are you a person who would like try to plan vacations around triathlons, like destination stuff? Or I know like for me, it's like, How does hey, your wife feel about yeah. that? <laughs> well... She used to not be as into it as she is now. She started running about 15 years ago, and she's kind of had this epiphany that if she lets me go do it, then I have to take her running somewhere else. So uh, a couple of years ago, we went up and did uh, Marine Corps Marathon. Okay. We yeah. got in the lottery, and we got pulled. It's six days before Ironman Florida, which I was signed up for, Ooh. so... I got to do Marine Corps, and six days later, <laughs> Iron Man Florida. I did really well, too, let me tell you. Both Ladies and gentlemen, we do not recommend that <laughs> yeah. from a uh, race planning I don't or a training standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, but she's, she's pretty open for me doing them and um, has been really supportive. And she tra- she's the one that trains me for those long runs. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that's, that's something we, we have quite a bit with, you know, athletes that we coach where – you know, the person we're coaching is involved in a sport and their uh, significant other, it may be a totally different sport, but we found that it allows, uh, you know, a, a similar mindset like that, like letting them get their training and then assisting your significant other in getting their training. It seems to be people that have stayed at it for longer. Um, they have the significant other that, that is understanding that uh, of the demands of the sport and the training that goes into it. And just the, the, like for me personally, um, when I train, I'm a happier 
person than I am mm-hmm. when I'm not training. Um, so, you know, we found quite a bit that, that those that both are interested in the sport seem to stay mm-hmm. at it for longer. Well, the downside to it is that she knows when I do something that's messed up too. Uh-oh. Uh, like last year I did uh, Tupelo marathon <laughs> and I've done it a number of times. I do it and then I go into Florida, okay. which is a couple of months later uh-huh. and it kind of set, usually set me up real well for it. Except last year, she said, I told you not to go and do that race. You never got over it. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, when she's your coach, it could be a little bit uh, a little, little bit tough. tougher, right? <laughs> we, That's hilarious. We could, uh, yeah, we could get into the, uh, the husband-wife-coach-athlete relationship, uh, but we probably should not. Yes. We'll but the reality is she's very supportive. Of awesome. She always has been. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So... Um, Kind of uh, one of the main things we wanted to get out of you here, Mary, is over the years, like what, what are some of the other things that, that you think have, has helped you kind of keep your love for uh, racing and triathlon? I know we talked about the community part of it um, and stuff like that, but w- what, what other things would you say are kind of the, the key things? Well, one thing is having something that other people either, I, I won't say can't do, but won't do yeah that they're not willing to go out there and really put in the effort to do it because i mean it doesn't have to be an iron man i mean we talk about iron man a lot but a lot of people just go out and run a 5k sure that they're but a lot of people that could do it aren't willing to go out there and do it and i kind of take a lot of pride in hey you know i can go out there and and do these races and and i get a lot of personal satisfaction out of Mm -hmm. that and uh, you you see other people too that when they start and they're able to do things and they're able to move from this level to that mm-hmm. level, whether it's from speed or setting a, a personal record in uh, in a race or just being able to run a 10K or yep. a half marathon the first time. I remember yep. when I first ran a half marathon and you know, I thought, wow, I can't believe I did that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, pride and satisfaction that goes into, uh, you know, doing Whatever the doing is, uh, like you said, it's whether it's 5K, 10K, half full, um, you know, any distance triathlon, you know, people do like see, you know, we're weird people to a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. you know, they see what we do and like I would either they think I would never do that. Like I could not do that or I just have no interest in that. But the people who say I could never do that, you know, you know, those are the ones that we're, we're, we're kind of trying to, uh, inspire to say, well, maybe I could try it and maybe I could jump into it. Um, but yeah, you, until you jump in and do it and complete something that other people think is this massive, uh, achievement, uh, you don't, you, you haven't experienced the, the satisfaction of, of, Yeah, what would you, what would you say doing? to those people on the, on the fence who are maybe, looking at you and saying, wow, I can't believe he's doing what he's doing. Like, what, what would you say to them? Uh, I'd say, look at my wife because she went from 15 years ago, never having run probably more than a 5k one time in her life. Uh-huh. And she's gone from that to, she runs constantly now. I yeah. mean, that, that's her thing. She's run like seven marathons. I think she just, she took it. She's not She's not the fastest person, yeah. but she'll go out there and she will just 
go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, she takes a lot of pride in that. And, you know, that's, that's part of it. Once, And she's had a lot of friends that, you know, she's made from it that are very similar sure. to her. Absolutely. That it's, it's not about going out and winning the race. It's being able to go out there and complete that distance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, to me, that's really the most important thing. I mean, there's only a handful of people that are going to win the race. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you start, it's, that's, that's just not in the, the realm for most people. Uh, you can try, but, um, yeah. you know, again, I've raced so much. I pretty much know before we start the race who's going to win yeah. and who's going to come in second. But that's not the important part. The important part is going out there and doing the best that you personally can do on that given day. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the excitement, like you mentioned, you know, with regards to your first ever race, the excitement you get looking at the people that were around you. Uh, and saying, wow, you know, if I'd have done a little better on the swim, if I'd have trained a little more on the swim, done a little better on the bike, mm-hmm. I mean, I could have, I could have let frog one spot or two mm-hmm. spots. Um, and instead mm-hmm. of you competing, you know, for the overall, it's like the race within a race kind of thing. And something that is motivating and driving is not to try to win the overall, but well, I wonder what I could do to maybe jump a spot or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people that, you know, if you've not done the sport before, you look at it and you're like, oh, either I don't think I could finish it. And just mm-hmm. finishing is a is a huge win. Um, but I guarantee you it's the story we hear quite a bit. You know, once people finish a race, the amount of time and exp- excitement spent, like looking at your results and the, and the people who are around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guarantee you everyone at the, from a local 5K to a triathlon to an Ironman to you name it, is spending a lot of time like, Ooh, next time, I think this is what I can do. Here's where I can improve, and here's where I can get better. At the end of the day, that's that's the important thing. I for can us. cut two minutes off that darn transition. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. I don't even have to work harder. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Almost overlooked uh, spots, right? Yeah. So, do you have any other any other kind of uh, quick tips on somebody who's considering doing it to kind of like push them over the line and find find a group of people yeah. that aren't the fastest people in the world that just enjoy it. And there are a lot of groups like that around. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you guys train people that are a lot like that. Mm -hmm. There are groups at the YMCA or the different health clubs that are like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are teams. And I mean, my team, uh, Terrapin, is that way, but um, Thunder. And, you know, there's several uh, teams in Memphis that have rides every weekend. And they're not Mm -hmm. out there just trying to set a world record they're out there to enjoy being out and mm-hmm. and get in a good ride and there are clubs like terrapin and thunder and los locos and everything all over the country yeah and you can look up you can if you're looking for a group to settle into or to kind of uh help get you in and i will say that i've never like met somebody who started a club or people who like manage a club or anything like that i've never met a club manager who is not completely willing to help somebody get into the sport. Like mm-hmm. we'll go over and above to help people get into the yeah. sport. And you can find those clubs. If you go to USA triathlons website, you can actually look up all the registered clubs in the country. Uh, and just going, cause I know swim is a big barrier for a lot of people. And you mentioned one of the first things you did was, you know, join a master swim thing at the mm-hmm. Y and that's a great way to get plugged in as well to, to other people. And if they aren't involved in the sport, they're going to know people yeah. that yeah. are involved in the sport. That's probably the number one thing that keeps people from doing triathlons Absolutely. is that swim because mm-hmm. they just don't feel comfortable. They haven't grown up swimming. And I mean, even I had been a lifeguard 
I've okay. done the mile swim when I was in okay. the Boy Scouts and things like go. that. I was still intimidated the first time I went out there yeah. to do it. And, yeah. and you just have to get comfortable. I mean, now I go out there, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it, the swim doesn't bother you at all once you're uh -huh. really used to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for those looking into like uh, or considering kind of masters or anything like that, most of the time a master's group will have like graded lanes. So you're not like, you're not eventually, you're, you're not going to be thrown right into the lane with somebody who's swimming, you know, 120s or 130s. You know, there, there are different lanes. So you'll be in a lane with people that are similar speed to you. Um, and there are actually a lot of, a lot of master's groups even have a lane that for people that are like, still working on technique that may not even do the workout itself they'll just be in one lane working on you know lengths yeah. technique and stuff like that so there's a lot of great masters coaches out there that that know how to break up the different levels really well and uh kind of uh you know appeal to everybody mm -hmm. so um the last thing kind of we wanted to talk about is you know you've seen you've seen triathlon change over the years um the sizes of the races, how, you know, things have changed, how the kits have changed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah how have the kits changed? <laughs> well, the national champion's still wearing a Speedo, so exactly. not much. So we're, everything's oh. a trend, right? Yeah. Everything's okay. Come and go. It was, there's this guy, and I think he still lives in Collierville, named Roy Crossman. <laughs> Do you guys know Roy? Uh, uh, I've not met Roy. When I first came back from uh, taking my break from triathlon, I was doing Mighty Might, and it was Roy's very first triathlon. And I came out, and I had on a Speedo with a big skull and crossbones across the butt. <laughs> and so before the race... That was the intimidation factor right there, right? <laughs> before the race, Roy was standing there talking to a friend and said, well, I don't know how I'm going to do in this race, but I'm going to beat that guy with the skull <laughs> pants. <laughs> well, in the finisher photo... When he's coming across the line, there I am right next to him. And, and Roy's, he's a very good athlete. He's a great runner. Uh -huh. But I, for years, I didn't tell him. I started five minutes behind him in the next wave. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were waiting on a Speedo story. <laughs> so do you still rock the Speedo? I do in the pool. There we I go. I'm doing the pool. Got to wear it. Mm -hmm. But I've kind of given it, it up. My wife has shamed me out of wearing it in races. <laughs> she has? She heard other people talking bad about me, so she made me go with shorts. <laughs> no way. I say bring it back this season. I may have to bring it back. Grow the mustache. Grow the mustache. <laughs> rock the Speedo. Yeah. I yeah. like it. So how have you seen the sport? You know, change, evolve, grow, decline i mean what have you noticed well there are a lot more races today so it kind of spreads the number of people that do yeah. triathlons out i mm -hmm. think iron man also has kind of had a negative impact on the grassroots level i mean it's like oh i gotta go do an iron man yeah, really tough. and and that's really not the case i mean sprints if you can go out and do a sprint that's great if you can do an olympic that's great uh but people get so focused into doing those ultra distance races yeah. that they kind of give up. And it's, it's tough because, um, we all want to support our local races. This is the sport that we really love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when we have people going other places to do it versus racing Memphis in May or, yep. um, uh, the Buffalo bill that we got out here, dragonfly it, uh, you know, it makes it tough to be able to put on, on these events. So I really encourage people, 
if you uh, are really into triathlon, you know, please get out there and do our local events, support our, our uh, organizations that are out there putting these events on for you. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't want to lose any of them because they're really important. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we, uh, we continue to lose events, then, uh, it's going to be tougher, tougher, less opportunities to get new people into the sport. And especially in the sprint distance, like that's like, that's the gateway usually into the sport because people, most people are, aren't going to say, Oh, look, an Ironman triathlon. I could do that for my first one. Uh, so we yeah. encourage you not to do that. Yeah, we <laughs> I had a guy behind me in line at Louisville one year. It was his first triathlon. It's, I don't know if he finished. Uh-huh. But it's crazy. <laughs> last I mean, last weekend we were at uh, the expo over in Nashville, and we were our our tent was right next yeah. to Ironman's tent, and they were just there essentially to be involved with the community and kind of give back, answer questions, and they they were saying the same thing like. They, before an event, they were having people, you know, raise hands. And there was a, a big percentage that it was not only their first Ironman, but it was their first event. I was like, wow. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I think that, well, they've, they've done such a good job with marketing that a lot of people who are not in the sport, they see that mm-hmm. as triathlon. That's triathlon mm-hmm. to them. They don't necessarily understand that there's way more people that are are doing the shorter events and that there's a lot more of those shorter events uh around the country uh probably even some in your backyard um and a sprint is a lot more fun than a full iron it's a lot more fun yeah if you're if you're pretty fast you're done with the whole triathlon be faster than you'd be done with the swim in a in an ironman event yeah i would i mean i'm you you're preaching in the choir here. The short course is is my my favorite by far. And the big thing too is is you know we talk about community a lot and and keeping people in the sport. The at the end of a sprint or an Olympic race, there's always like really good synergy between the people that are at the race and everyone's having a good time, laughing and talking and telling war stories and how terrible they raced and all that stuff. But at the end of an Ironman, you're lucky to find anybody you know, <laughs> let alone uh, chat to any chat with anybody. I mean, I've sat, I've sat like next to like ten people, like after the race, trying to get food, some food in me, and didn't say a word to anybody until I found my family. Or like, <laughs> it's just it's it's a whole different feel. Like post race is a whole different feel. You know, it's it's grand. Their their events are grand and they're great and it's a huge achievement. But to stay in the sport and to grow the sport, get into the short course stuff and you're you're gonna like really enjoy the community aspect of triathlon. I'll tell you, the new race, I guess this will be the third year for it, the Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. That is a great race yep. to start. Yeah, it's the super sprint. Yeah, they got the super sprint and the sprint, but the whole thing is compact. It's all in town. I mean, gosh, you can finish the race and be home by 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and uh, the course is great. So if you haven't done it, it's good. And the swim course is laid out by a real expert. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to get to Murray uh, lays out a lot of the swim courses for us uh... So if you're complaining locally. about your Garmin reading it being too long. <laughs> your Garmin is wrong. <laughs> That's what I will tell you. <laughs> That's hilarious. So uh, 
you know, any other any other quick last minute words on on how like how we continue to grow the sport? Um, well, I mean, the main thing is is finding younger people, yeah, to come in, and, invite you know, people, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've got we have a few, but it's um, it's it's kind of difficult to get young people. They've got to have the right background to start. You know, yeah. either cross country or swimming. Yeah. Uh, there aren't very many young people that start cycling. Mm-hmm. So uh, getting those people and getting them out to do it. And I think part of that comes from getting them exposed by doing teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all the local races have teams. So put two or three people together and mm-hmm. find yourself a runner, find yourself a swimmer, a cyclist, and uh, there you go. You're out there and you yep. see it. And the next time you don't want to do a team, you want to do it by yourself. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, yeah relays are, uh, I think... I brought out of the triathletes that I coach, I want to say at least 30% of them got into the sport because they did a relay the first time. And then they're like, well, I could do that myself. Like it's a, it's a huge gateway into actually doing the sport on your own. And it's a ton of fun because it turns, it basically turns multi-sport into a team team effort, which you don't want to let your teammates down. And you, mm-hmm. you know, you, yeah, that extra accountability there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My wife has done a number of uh, relays. Her problem is she wants to get out in the water and socialize with everybody that's swimming around her if she sees somebody she knows. But one year she was down, I think it was heat wave, and she went out and did the swim, and she came out and she went and she turned the race number into a volunteer and said, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm through. And they said, what do you mean? She goes, well, I'm not going to do the rest of the race. But you're doing so well. I mean, look how, how well you've done. She goes, you don't understand. I don't have a bike. <laughs> she signed up. She for signed the whole up thing. just to do the swim. Just to do the swim. That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I've the, not heard that one before. The bike, you know, the bike is kind of the for a lot of people, it's the equipment piece that holds them from yeah. from doing the sport. So mm-hmm. I would say if you're if you're one of those uh, experienced triathletes who um, has a garage full of bikes, like some of us do. Um, and you know somebody who's looking to get into a sport, you know, offer to let them borrow it. Um, if you, especially if it's been sitting there for more than two, if it has dust on it, uh, air up the tires and let somebody borrow it so they can get in their first, their first event. Excellent. Awesome. Murray, we appreciate you coming out, uh, and chatting with us for a while. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. We will catch you guys next time. Adios. See ya.